Father, in the next few moments, I pray that we'll guard our minds, that anything evil will be repelled from our hearts. God, I pray that we'll still our soul before you right now. Father, I pray you'll help me take the blessed word of God. And God, as we open it and share it, God, I pray you'll help me communicate it in a way that is pleasing in your sight, in a way that makes the devil angry, but in a way that'll help these dear people get a little better glimpse of glory. I pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. You know, when Jesus was arrested and he was brought before Pilate, a very interesting dialogue took place. Pilate was under a lot of pressure. His wife had already told him, don't mess with this righteous man. The Jewish leaders were pressuring for Jesus' life. Rome was pressuring him for peace. Pilate was bewildered, trying to figure out Christ. He's trying to figure out just who this Jesus was. Jesus was brought before him, and, and he, he said, so you are a king. And Jesus said, yes, I am a king. And then Jesus said this, I have come to bear witness to the truth. Pilate asks the question, what is true? And then amazingly, Pilate walks away. The Bible says he, he, he went out to the Jews. He never stood around for the answer. You ever thought about that? He asks a question, and then he leaves. I wonder what Jesus would have said. Hmm? I wonder how Jesus would have responded to Pilate. And for a few moments this morning, I want us to think about what possibly the answer could have been. I want us to think about what Jesus might have said if Pilate had hung around. In fact, I'd like to answer Pilate's question. Now you may say, whoa, dude, that's a little presumptuous, isn't it, speaking for Jesus? Well, it could be, I guess. But I want to answer the question using Jesus' words. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 3. Okay, John chapter 3, we'll read in a moment. Early in our Lord's ministry, in John chapter 3, we find that he encountered a religious leader. A scribe, we're told. A Pharisee, we're told. In fact, the Bible tells us he was a leader of the Jews. A man who knew Jewish history, steeped in the Old Testament. And yet this good man, this religious man, did not know the Messiah. Now, he knew the Messiah had been promised. He knew about the Messiah. But he didn't know the Messiah. And a lot of people today know about Jesus. They've heard about him. Many today have even accepted the fact that he lived, in fact, lived perfectly. They actually may believe he's the Son of God, that he died on a cross for sin, that he rose the third day, and that he is actually coming back again to judge the living and the dead. But that's about all. You see, gang, 
The head stores facts, even believable facts. But that has nothing to do with eternal life. We live in a culture where many believe in Jesus, but they disconnect when it comes to the idea that they must be born again. In our text, Nicodemus didn't get it, at least here he didn't get it. And yet he was a religious leader of the nation. This week I read where one of the commentators in the section I'm going to be speaking at said this, Many believe today that all you got to do to get to heaven is die. Many believe that. Many think, well, you live your life, you die, and when you die because God is the God of love, you, you just go on to heaven. This week I wrote down something the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, said. I want you to listen to what he said. I'm telling you, if there is a God, that's his first mistake, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, that's his second mistake. I'm not stopping to be interviewed. That's his third mistake. I'm heading right in, he said. And then he said, I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. That's his biggest mistake. That I'm earning my place in heaven. I don't know if you heard the interview this week with uh, Bill O'Reilly and Robert Jeffries, a pastor, First Baptist, a great man. A wonderful pastor, a man who stands on truth, and Bill Riley had him on. He was interviewing him, and they were talking twice in the interview. Bill O'Reilly said that he's doing his best to earn his way to heaven. Twice he said that. Do you think that's what Jesus would have told Pilate? Oh, Pilate, listen, I understand, dude. Hey, the wife is on you. I understand, you know, guys, get that? I understand, Pilate, the Jews are on you. There's pressure. I understand your pressure, Pilate. Rome, I, hey, Pilate, I understand Rome's after you. Pilate, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do your best. I want you to live the best you can. Make your best effort, Pilate. And then when you die, Pilate, it'll be okay. I'll take care of it all. Do you really think the Lord of glory would have said that, do you? Would you stand in honor of God's word with me? John chapter 3, beginning verse 1. Got kind of a long passage. I promise I'll get you out before the next service. How does that sound to you? Okay. Some of your T-Sunday school teachers are going to be calling me this afternoon. You took all my time. I'm going to say, blame it on Don. John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher of Israel? And you don't understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even must... You ought to circle that. Must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes will in Him, in Him, did you get it? Have eternal life. And then that wonderful verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Bill O'Reilly... Bloomberg, you ought to hear it. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, I know we read a lot of verses, and, and you may not have picked up, but, but maybe you did. Jesus is trying to connect Nicodemus to truth. And Jesus, the master storyteller and the master preacher, uses four illustrations to kind of help him understand. First, the illustration is a natural birth. Did you catch it? Second illustration was the wind. Third illustration is the bronze serpent, which is going to be my, my topic today. The last illustration is light versus dark. Now, out of those four illustrations, if there's one illustration that Nicodemus would have gotten, it was the story of the bronze serpent. If there's one illustration in this chapter that, beloved, you better get today, it's the illustration of the bronze serpent. And let me describe it a little bit to you. We find it in the Old Testament. Nicodemus would have known it. It's in the book of Numbers. We find the nation of Israel in rebellion against God, and we find God punishing them. Remember a few weeks ago I said to you, sin always brings a punishment. Always. Sin always brings a punishment. Your sin will find you out, the Bible says. God sent serpents. The serpents bit the people. Many of them died. Sin always brings a punishment, folks. Sin always brings death. 
God's justice demands this. For God is holy and God is righteous. Moses cried out to God and, and interceded on behalf of the people. God told him to make a bronze serpent. Place it on a pole and lift it for all to see. And when the people looked, they would live. Oh, beloved, sin always brings a punishment. Sin always brings death. But God provides a remedy. And dear people, listen to me. God's cure rate is 100%. Can you imagine if someone somehow came out with the right chemicals or medicine to, to offer a 100% cure rate for cancer? How many people all over the world would spend all they have to flock to this doctor to take that medicine to be cured of cancer? God's cure rate is 100%. God's cure rate of sin. Listen to me today. God's cure rate of sin is 100%. But many like Peter don't even look. Pilate don't even look. They just kind of walk away. Many like Bloomberg and O'Reilly look wrong. You see, how you look determines whether you have eternal life or eternal death. You need to understand that. Some of you today need to understand that, need to come to terms with that. Because you're facing eternal life with God or you're facing eternal death without God. And I would suggest on a day when we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, this would be a good day for you to finally come to terms with where you're going to spend eternity. How you look determines it. How you look is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus used this illustration of the bronze serpent to help Nicodemus look and live. Did you notice as I read, I told you to circle that word, Jesus said the Son of Man, he's talking about himself here, the Son of Man must be lifted up. That those who believe in Him may have eternal life. The lifting up that He's talking about is a sign of exaltation, certainly. We find it in Scripture. It's a sign of glorification. It's a sign of what we're celebrating today, resurrection. But mostly it's a sign of crucifixion. You see, dear people, for sinners to be saved, for sinners to be forgiven... For sinners to be born again, someone has to die as a substitute in the place of those sinners. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. This week I had the joy of visiting with one of our young ladies, uh, one of the young young ladies in our church. And I got the joy of talking with her about the Lord Jesus. Mom and Daddy brought her in and and uh, so I took scripture and, and kind of walked her through. It was so incredibly awesome that when God does what only God can do, you know. And in the process of that, I, uh, I uh, began to talk to her about the substitute, you know. And, and I used the illustration of me sitting on a bench. 
And I told her, I said, you know, when a team was way ahead or way behind, the coach would look at me and say, hey, boy, come in and go in as a substitute. And so I was explaining to her how, how either we were going to receive the just punishment of our sin or that God was going to choose a man to take the punishment for us. And the man was his son, Christ Jesus. And I told her, I said, there's two things about a substitute. The substitute on the cross. I said, first of all, he's got to be worthy. And number two, he's got to be willing. And I had the joy of telling her how Jesus was worthy to be our substitute. How he, he was perfect and holy. And how he took the full load of the law on his shoulders. And he kept every point of it. And when God was ready and when God was pleased, he slayed him on a cross because he was a worthy sacrifice, a worthy substitute. And then I told her, I said, but not just worthy. Oh, he had to be willing. See, Pilate was under all this pressure. His wife was on his case. Rome was on his case. Jews were on his case. And yet he didn't condemn him to die. Jesus willingly gave his life, the Bible says. Substitute has to be worthy. Substitute has to be willing. Now, Using the illustration of the bronze serpent, if we're going to look the right way, if we're going to look in the way that's going to lead to life everlasting, then it's important that we look right. Those in the Old Testament, some of them looked and lived, but some of them died. How do we look right? Give me a few minutes of your life. The first thing we have to do is be sure we have the right object. The object must be right. You see, in the Old Testament illustration, all the people had to do was look at the bronze serpent, and that wasn't hard. But they could not look at their life or their good lives. They all thought they were the chosen nation, and they were, so that qualified them. It didn't. You can't look at your own good lives, folks. You can't look at your own best efforts. Somehow in this mind of humanity, we think that just if our good deeds will be better than our bad deeds, that somehow we're going to be there. You can't look at your best efforts because they're not good enough. They could not look at their nationality like I mentioned. You can't look your, because you're an American. Billy Graham's son was on... Kennedy. He was talking about how people who reject Christ and go their own way think they're okay because they live in a nation that used to be Christian, used to be, and their mommies and daddies are followers of Christ, so they must be okay. And, 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 and he, he talked about how that's not okay. Nationality, heritage means nothing. They had to look at what God says is the cure. Oh, dear people, the bronze serpent is a picture of Jesus Christ. And the only way of eternal life is to look at Christ, not your religion, not your self-righteousness, not even 
your reformation and cleaning up your act. I've had so many people through the years tell me, oh, I know I need that. And I'm going to get it one day as soon as I clean up my act. You know, in that sense, they're saying as soon as I take a bath. Listen, the bath comes after you're saved, you see. Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and the completer of our faith salvation, gang, listen, is not a performance. Salvation is a person. And the object has to be right. It has to be Jesus and him alone. The manner of your look has to be right as well. You see, in the Old Testament illustration, the people had to look believing. They had to look believing that what God says was right. It's not a hard look, but it's got to be a faith look. It's a faith that's given you from above. That leads to repentance of sin. Oh, folks, listen. Eternal life is not an easing of guilt. A lot of folks just want their guilt eased, don't they? Man, they just want to get out of a box. They want to get out of a bind. But eternal life's not the easing of guilt. It's the erasing of guilt. By means of the cross. It's granted from above, not generated from within. It's not reformation, it's regeneration. One has said, God takes pity on us. And he loves us in such a way. Now listen to what he said. He saves us from himself. I read that this week absolutely floored me. I'd never thought of it that way. If God is a holy, righteous God who one day will judge the quick and the dead, and if he will one day bring out punishment to those who know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then salvation by grace through faith alone is how he saves us from himself. We are saved from him by him. Because of the holiness and the righteousness of his life. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. People, Pilate didn't hang around. Hmm? Nicodemus came searching. One went away the way he came. The other, if you continue to read Scripture, this was the beginning of a process. At some point in the process, truth dawned upon Nicodemus. I believe he trusted Christ. But perhaps if Pilate had stopped just long enough, maybe he might have seen Jesus as beaten as he was. Maybe... He might have seen Jesus raise his hand and said, Pilate, you want truth? I am truth. I am truth. Pilate, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You see, there has to be the correct object of your look. Jesus alone. There has to be the correct manner of your look. Faith alone. May I be bold enough this morning to ask you a question? How's your sight today? How's your sight? The cure rate for the Jews was 100%. 
but some of them died. You see what many don't understand, in fact, you may not understand today, is that you cannot find a human remedy for sin. It takes a divine remedy. Man's rebellion needs God's remedy. Nothing else will work. Nothing works. We try it all, don't we? Somehow we come back to a cross. Somehow we come back to the old rugged cross. Somehow we must come back and realize it's not by works of righteousness we've done, but it's according to His mercy He has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Somewhere along in the course of our life, we've got to come back to the cross. For it is through the cross and the shedding of blood there is remission of sin. And I want to tell you, dear people, some of your pride is going to keep you away from the cross. One day you'll spend eternity separated from God because of your pride, because you won't submit to the cross. Later, as the hour approached for our Lord's death, the Bible tells us that his soul was deeply troubled. And he said these words, Now judgment is upon the world, and the ruler of this world shall be cast out. And then he said this, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Was he lifted up? Oh, yeah. More beyond human recognition. Lifted up on a tree we called Calvary. Then he was lowered down into the ground. And then on the third day, this day, he was raised from the dead. He was lifted up to live forevermore. Look and live, dear people. Look and live. One of my favorite hymns growing up was a hymn I'm going to read to you. You're safe. You're not going to have to hear me sing. Of course, we'd get out of here and get Sunday school quickly, wouldn't we? Here's what I want you to leave out with. I have a message from the Lord. Hallelujah. This message unto you I'll give. Ah, it is recorded in His Word. Hallelujah. It's only that you look and live. Look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. Tis recorded in his word. Hallelujah. It's only that you look and live. Let me ask you one more time. How's your sight today? Hmm? How's your sight? Father, I have no ability to know anything other than I'm a sinner. And by grace alone, through faith alone, I've been saved by Christ alone, according to the word of God alone, for the glory of God alone. Maybe today, there are those right here that have tried to go the way of Nicodemus. They've tried the religion thing. Or maybe like those other guys. They think in their mind that they can somehow earn their way. But it's futility. Maybe today there's some 
that have realized that Jesus is the only way. God, I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to stand with me for a moment. We're going to have a time of response. and God has spoken to your heart. I invite you to come. Whatever you're struggling with, we invite you to come today.